All right. So I was thinking this week about willpower. Uh, I don't know, some of you may think you have a strong willpower, that you are strong enough to overcome certain things. As I was thinking about our series, this Life's Healing Choices, we're looking at our hurts and our hangups and our habits. And I think for a lot of us, we think that if I just had stronger willpower, I could deal with those things in my life. Like if I was just better, right, if I just figured out how to deal with eating healthier, if I could just learn to say no better, if I could just have the desire and the work ethic to exercise regularly, if I could just stop abusing that substance, if I just had enough willpower, if I was stronger, I wouldn't do it anymore. I'd get over my past and I would stop that bad habit if I just had more willpower, more drive, more determination. However, we know that isn't always true. Like, there's some things in your life where willpower will get you through it. Uh, Ten years ago this year, uh, I ran a marathon with some friends, the the Chicago Marathon. And that was one of those things where it was basically complete willpower and drive to get through that. I don't know if you've run or if you're a runner, but um, as a runner, especially of long distance, blisters are a normal occurrence. Uh, Black toenails... I didn't paint my toenails black, but almost every one of them uh, would become black from, from running. Um, poor, pulled muscles, sore back. Uh, about two weeks before, I had to get a shot because my IT band, which is a band that runs along your leg and connects to your knee, got so tight, uh, it was hard to even walk. And so I got a shot. But for me, it was just, I just had to get through it. Even the day of the run, as you would Uh, join 30,000 other people to run. There was something in you that just knew, I'm going to get through this with with pure drive and determination. And I remember the first, you know, 10 to 15 miles, it was a lot of adrenaline, uh, lots of crowds cheering for you that would get me through it. Uh, But then there was this point, 15 through 20, that was extremely difficult, uh, periods of wanting to give up, but just in my mind thinking, I'm going to get through this. And then again, the last six miles, the pain kicked in, uh, and it was just pure determination and some candy, as people would give you candy along the, uh, the road, just needing that little bit of sugar to get through it, right? Uh, that was helpful, but it was pure determination that helped me finish that race. Some of you on, on your own race, some of you as you've tried to figure out how to deal with your hurts and your hangups and your habits, you have relied completely on your own willpower. And what happens is you you fail. You fail in those things and then you give up. And so there's this idea that maybe it's not just our willpower that will help us deal with those things in our life. Maybe there's something more. And the thought is that through God's love, his presence in your life, maybe you could begin to heal from some of those hurts and those hang-ups and habits that have been inside of you for a long time that you've been dealing with and trying to figure out how to work through. And some of you are seeing some good things happen. I've I've had conversations. Some of you have told me about the the steps you've taken, the choices you've made to find some healing. Some of you have been reminded of what it takes. You've committed to these things. You've been sober. You have dealed with those hurts, whether through a counselor or a close friend. And you're reminded, yes, those are the things that I have to do to continually work through the healing in my life. And you're reminded. But, but then I just know some of you haven't. I know some of you haven't taken those steps. You haven't made those choices because fear is real. 
that the voice of fear has been loud in your mind. Uh, Afraid of what it might look like, afraid of the work, afraid of who might find out. A fear of dealing with some of those things in your past that you've been holding on to. And it's through some of that fear that you've not been willing to, to take those steps. But fear doesn't have to be the loudest voice. You don't have to listen to the voice of fear. You can begin to believe that there is hope. That maybe healing could come in your life. You've seen it happen in other people's lives, but maybe for you that healing is actually possible. That your past hurts don't have to hurt your future. That that there's some things that can happen that your life could begin to look different. But healing is hard. Healing's hard. Working on those things are hard. And hopefully you have felt that through this series that the things I'm asking you to do, that I'm encouraging you to do, have not been easy. But it's worth it. If you have children, your children are worth it. Your kids are worth it, you finding healing. If you're married, your spouse is worth you working through this and finding healing. Your family, your parents, your friends, you. It's worth it to work through these things because of you. And so my hope is that you'll begin to do it if you haven't already, that you'll begin to work through some of these things. And our hope is here soon uh, that we'll actually start a group called Celebrate Recovery. Maybe you've heard of it, a program that started out in California. It helps people navigate their hurts and their hangups and their habits together. Um, And so this is the teaching we've been looking at comes from that program. And our hope is that soon that there'll be an opportunity for you to continue to work through these things with other people. But there's something that often happens as we begin to work through healing, and that is relapse. There are these times where you're moving in a good direction, you've made some good choices, but then for some reason something happens and you begin to move backwards. And Celebrate Recovery talks about these phases that we often go through when we think about relapse, how do we get there? Not necessarily what happens to get us there, but kind of the phases we go through. And phase one is complacency. Things are going well in your life. You've made some good choices, and one thing that happens is you begin to get comfortable. See, when, when things are not going well, when you're in desperation, you, your desire is to see anything that can help you uh, be put into practice. But when things begin to be going well, that you feel like you've found some healing, we can often get too comfortable. We become complacent with our lives. Like at one point, like prayer was the only thing that got you through it. And, and now that you're not maybe dealing with your hurts every day, and maybe you've broken an addiction, maybe the habits are gone, uh, then maybe you stop praying because you feel like you're at a place where you're strong. And you become comfortable and we become complacent. So we quit praying, we quit working on it, we quit pursuing the things that once helped us. We quit being honest with people about where we're at, and we just become complacent. This is phase one. And then phase two is this, this phase of confusion, This is where we aren't just complacent, but we start to rationalize. Uh, Maybe it really wasn't that bad. Maybe my hurts really didn't hurt that much. Maybe my habit really wasn't that big of a deal. And you begin to rationalize in your mind, and then you make compromises. Phase three, you compromise. Uh, This is where you begin to move into what uh, would be more of an action. You begin going places that maybe aren't good for you to go to. That the things that you pursue to help mask the hurts and the hangups, you return back to, or the idea to return back to them. Right? For some of us, we, we mask by buying things. 
right? Something new, something fresh makes you feel good. Uh, this weekend was kind of a chaotic weekend in our home. We've had some broken things and just, it, you know, when one thing breaks, it feels like everything breaks. And so we were at this point and I had to run to the, the hardware store and I've been trying to make some decisions to eat better. But I'm in my car driving to Handyman and I'm thinking, man, Wendy's sounds really good right now, right? Like just, just a burger, right? I'm not going to go all out. I'm just going to get something small. And this was inter, uh, honestly a dialogue I had. Because for me, often, just just some good food. Just some good food makes the things disappear even for a short time. What is it for you? What is it that you have turned to to deal with the the hurts and the hang-ups? Maybe it's not that big of a deal, but, but what is it that you go to in that moment? And so we begin to compromise. We begin to go back to some of those places. And little things become big things that become habitual things again. And we compromise some of those choices that we make. And then phase four is catastrophe. This is where we actually make the decision to go back. We say yes to the temptation. We give in to the thing that we don't want to give in to. Unforgiveness creeps back in. We're unwilling to make amends with people around us. We fall back into these old patterns and behaviors in our lives. See, here's, here's where people often get confused. This isn't a moment of relapse. When you say yes to the temptation, that's not the moment of relapse. The moment of relapse is when we begin to become complacent. That's what gets us to that place. And so the thought is if you can begin to be aware of those things, when when you notice that you're becoming comfortable, that you're no longer relying on God, but you're completely relying on yourself and your own willpower, that's when you begin to say, all right, I'm I'm beginning this phase of relapse and and I'm going to stop now. And so some of you have done this. Some of you are on a good path, not just through this series, but just in life. And so when this happens, often the temptation would be just to give up. I mean, do you really want to go through it again? You start to play this in your mind. Do I want to take these choices, these healing choices, and put them back into practice? And let me encourage you, say yes. Right? One thing that I know and believe about God is that there's lots of on-ramps. Lots of on-ramps. Like if you've been traveling on the road with, with God and something has led you off track. There's lots of on-ramps back on. There's that rumble strip as you're driving down the highway. Uh, that the, the purpose is when you doze off, right? When you lose focus, uh, it will quickly wake you up if that has ever happened to you. All right, that's the purpose, right? To get you back on track. And so the hope is when you begin to run over the rumble strip, when you have gotten off track, that you begin to believe that there is uh, an on-ramp for you. There are lots of on-ramps where God is asking you and wanting you to come back to where he wants you to be. And so what causes us to get to this place, right? We know what the phases are, uh, but what are some of the things that cause us to get there? If you don't own a Bible, there's a red hardback Bible around you somewhere. That's our gift to you. Please take that. The page number on the screen will be for that passage. But Galatians 3.3, 3, there's a guy named Paul, hates Christians, uh, kills Christians, becomes a Christian. Uh, not long after the life of Jesus, uh, he writes these letters to these churches to encourage them, to challenge them, uh, to support them. And there's going to be some challenges that he makes here. Uh, so Galatians 3.3 3 says this, Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? The first thing we do as we think about relapse and what God gets us there is we begin to just try harder. 
we forget early on some of the choices we talked about. That maybe we're actually powerless when it comes to some of these things. And by simply trying harder, we're not going to get there. And so what happens is we begin to try harder. And Paul is talking to a group of people who realized that they couldn't do it on their own. They had tried to work themselves back to God, that they believed just by obeying the rules that God would be pleased with them. And then they learn about grace. And it's all because of, of God through Jesus. That we're in right relationship with him. That is what happens in our lives. But they have forgotten that. They started with that. But something has happened where they begin to believe that now they can get back to attaining it on their own effort. There's a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message, a guy named Eugene Peterson. Uh, he, he translates or paraphrases the Bible. He says this passage like this. He says, let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what God, their own efforts, what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. I mean, how did you find healing in the beginning? Like real healing. Not just making some good choices in the moment because you were strong then, but when you think about healing, how did healing happen? Did it happen by God? Well, what has happened where you now think that it depends on you? Like if grace got you started, grace will sustain you. Grace will continue to help you find healing. And so it's by submission, not by willpower, that we find healing. This is how we grow in our relationship, not simply by trying harder. And so really quickly, in case you weren't here, uh, choice one, we simply said we have to admit, admit that we're powerless to change on our own. The choice two, we agreed that God is the one who holds the power and that we have hope because of him. Choice three, we begin to let go. If you remember, I held the balloons and I said most of our lives, we hold on to the things that have hurt us. We hold on to fear and to shame and to worry and we hold on to those things and we think we can continue to do life with other people in a healthy way, but we can't. We can't do life with God in a healthy way as we're holding on to things. And so we talked about letting go of those things and grabbing a hold of God. That We put our faith in him. Choice four, we said, okay, we got to be honest now. We have to come clean. We come clean with God and we become clean with someone around us. That forgiveness comes through God, but the scriptures say that healing comes when we confess to one another. Choice five, we said you submit to God and begin to focus on just one thing. What is the one step you need to take to begin to seek healing? And then last year, I encourage you to begin to repair your relationships. As you begin to seek healing, I encourage you to begin to forgive and to forgive again, even if it's not asked for. And most of the time, it's not deserved, but we forgive because God has forgiven us. And then I said, what would it look like for you to make amends with people that you had hurt? Right? We're hurt by people, but we have hurt people also. And part of finding real healing is not just by figuring out our hurts and our hang-ups and our habits and taking those steps to become uh, whole and healthy alone. Part of it is begin to work on our relationships with the people around us. And this is where we become comfortable. And we forget that God has gotten us to where we are. And we just try harder. 
And then the other problem we do is we go fast. We, we don't understand that the healing process is not always quick. Like some of you have gotten to where you are and the hurts that you've experienced have been developed over years. Years. Hundreds of hurtful words that have made you feel unworthy to be loved. Hundreds. Moment after moment by someone close to you who treated you unfairly. That the person who was supposed to be there for you and they weren't. Walked away. And as you wrestle with that and, and, and you deal with that, that did not happen overnight. That, that pain is, is deep. And so to deal with those things is not just something that happens quick. Like that's the, the only problem with this series that I've had is it's not like after week one you're always ready for, for choice number two. Right? And so even though we'll spend eight weeks going through this, it's not at the end of eight weeks we're all going to be like, okay, everything's, everything's great in my life. Like, it's, it's not quick. And so the moment we begin to go fast and we shortcut and we don't work the program or we don't go to our meetings or we don't open up to the people around us and we think we can just shortcut to healing is where we begin to have problems. If we think some of these choices aren't important, we won't find the healing God always wants for us. Paul, again, in that same letter says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? So for you, as you begin to go quick and as you begin to, to think, man, things are moving backwards, well, what's happened? What's happened? What, what got in the way or who got in the way of your finding healing? And so we think we can try harder. We think we can go quicker than we really can. And then this one is big. We go at it alone. We go at our healing by ourselves. One of the easiest ways to relapse or to get off the path of healing is to do it by yourself. We all need someone to help keep us accountable. Uh, we need someone who will ask the hard questions. Uh, we often think accountability is about punishment. If I have someone keeping me accountable and I don't do what I'm supposed to do, it's like an invitation to get verbally beat up. And that's not what it means. Accountability means answering for the actions or decisions that we've made. It means, asking, it means answering the tough questions of why we did or didn't do something to someone we're close to, with someone who loves us and wants the best for us. And so I think a lot of you are, are taking this path of healing. You're making some of these choices, but you're still doing it by yourself. You're not inviting someone in on your journey towards healing. Uh, I got invited to be a part of an urban leadership program there's 60 of us in the, the country who are going through something. And last uh, weekend was my first training. And uh, at the end of the training, they brought out this. And uh, when I, yeah, look at that thing. I didn't even know they made these, right? Um, and so they brought this out. And, and here's, here's what was interesting is uh, we'll fill this over the next 15 months. Right? We'll fill this. It is a ton of work. It's completely about myself and leadership, and we're going to have a ton of information. But you know what's really interesting? We can't go through this program if we don't have a mentor. Like, we can't be a part of this if we're not meeting with someone monthly. Like, it's a requirement. So it doesn't matter. I could have all the information with some of the greatest leaders in our country. Leaders who have done amazing things. And it simply won't be enough. They say you have to journey 
through this with someone. And so for you, as you begin to make some choices, as you begin to find some healing from your hurts and your hang-ups and your habits, are you doing it by yourself? If you are, it is an invitation to move backwards. If you're doing this alone, it is an invitation to move in the wrong direction. And so I, I can't encourage you enough. Find someone. Invite someone into your story, into your journey. Someone you can be honest with, someone who can ask those tough questions. There's a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. If you haven't read it, it's not always the most encouraging. Um, he says things like this, uh, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Uh, he basically is saying things that we go after are like a vapor. Uh, we see it, we try and grab it, but we'll never attain it. And so he, he talks about life, but then he gets to this point where he kind of has hope that, that maybe some things are unattainable, but then it's almost as if he says there's something that could help. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, he says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Let me read that again. Pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Solomon, who is attributed to writing this, who is often known as the, the, one of the wisest people to ever live, he had everything he possibly wanted. But he gets to this point where he realized all of that is meaningless except for his relationships with people. That as he's figuring out what is meaningless and what is worth it, the only way he will do that is with someone. And so for you, you you've got to figure out who it is that can encourage you, who can support you, who can pray for you, who can ask those hard questions. But I love the last line of this. It's almost as if he just kind of slips this in. Right, because you would think, wait, where's the third strand come in? Right, we're, we're talking me and one other person. We've got two strands, and that seems pretty good, but the third strand is when you invite God into it. Right, that it's not just God alone, and, and hear me when I say this. Uh, God has put us in relationship for a reason. Right, God alone can save us. No one else can save you. No one else can fix you. And on the other end, you can fix no one else. But there is, as you read the scriptures, there is this beautiful invitation that we could do life with one another. That you don't have to do it on your own. And the moment you do, the moment you believe you have to just be strong and figure it out, is the moment you begin to move in the wrong direction. The fourth thing is our pride keeps us powerless. Right? We get comfortable, we move too fast, we do it alone, and then we become prideful. Our pride makes us think, well, I'll never stumble now. I've gotten to where I am. I've been sober. I've made good decisions. I've had those conversations. I've made amends. I have forgiven that person. Our pride makes us think that we'll never have to work through that again. Our pride makes us believe that we have it all figured out. It makes us believe that we're stronger than the habit that we've dealt with for years. It makes us believe that we no longer have that pain deep within us that is going to try and make its way out again. And so it prevents us from believing that we need help from God and other people. Pride says you aren't weak. 
and it binds us from saying, help me, please. Humility, not pride, is what helps us Humility, not pride, is what helps us from relapsing. James 4.10, James is the half-brother of Jesus, uh, doesn't believe Jesus is who he says he is until he's uh, crucified and comes back. He says this, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It is when we are humble that God comes and gives us the help that we need. Humility is strength. Pride is what is weakness. Humility gives us power and pride is powerless. A humble person understands themselves knowing where they're weak and desires to seek help. And so you have to begin to say, okay, am I being prideful and not willing to reach out to someone else? Am I being prideful and thinking I'm strong enough and, don't need the, don't, and I don't need the help of God in this moment? And so how do we begin to work through these things? If those four things are real and you've experienced them and they're a part of your life, how do we combat them? Well, I want to encourage you to create just a couple of habits. Uh, three things that I want to encourage you to begin to do. Habits are simply the choices that you make uh, over and over and over. Uh, bad habits lead us away from where we want to go. This is pretty simple. Uh, good habits help us go where we're wanting to go. And so following Jesus is a daily decision. Right? Often that's what makes being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, so hard. Right? It's not just one thing that you made a decision at one point when you said, all right, I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to believe in his forgiveness. That's not a one-time thing. It is a daily decision, and that's what often makes it difficult. And so these are daily decisions I'm going to ask you to begin to make. This is for all of us. No matter if, you've, if you think you've worked through everything, if you've dealt with your hurts and your hang-ups, if you think I don't really have any unhealthy habits, these are things I'm going to ask all of us to begin to do. The first one is we'll create the habit of honest evaluations. That we'll assess where we're at in life. Uh, Lamentations 3.40 says, Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Another version says, To reorder our lives under God. And so regularly making assessments, regularly evaluating, helps us see where we're at in our relationship with God. See, the, the order it should be in our love for things should be God first. It should be God and then people, and then if you like things, okay. <laughs> but what happens is those things become out of order, where we begin to love things. We love things more than we love people, or we even love people more than we love God. We love our work. We love other things, and so our lives become out of order. And so we begin to evaluate. We begin to ask ourselves some questions. How am I doing physically? How am, I, am I paying attention to what my body is telling me? Am I tired? The best news I'm going to tell some of you, especially with uh, the losing an hour, today may be a great day to take a nap. Yeah? Right? You're, you're, honestly, you're, you're, you are exhausted and you need rest. We need to quit doing so much and we need to, to rest. And so we pay attention to our physical body. Am I eating right? Am I exercising? Am I dealing with the, the stress? How is my body responding to what is going on in my life? And then your emotion, you begin to pay attention to your emotions. You evaluate those things. Are you dealing with the feelings that you have? When you're hurt, do you, do you speak about it? Do you tell people? Do you repress the feelings? Do you, do you push them uh, aside? If you're like me, 
Uh, a lot of times when I'm hurt, I just hold on to it, right? And I think uh, I'll stew on things and I won't pursue conflict. And so I actually often think that's the righteous way of doing things, right? You have people who, who spew, who let people know when they've been hurt and often in uh, an unhealthy way. Um, and we think those people make poor decisions. But can I just talk to those of you who suppress your feelings? Um, if you're like me... Right? This is how you often live life. Right? If you could feel the, the pressure in the bottle. Right? And when you don't deal with things, it doesn't mean it's not hurting you. It doesn't mean it's not affecting you or impacting you. It doesn't mean it's not hurting your relationship with God or other people. Right? And so we have to figure out when, when we begin to feel like this, how do we begin to, right? How do we begin to just slowly right? How do we begin to begin to relieve some of that pressure in our life? Because if you don't, we know what would happen, right? And you've experienced that. And so one of the things you have to do is you have to begin to, to pay attention to your emotions. God has given you emotions. Your emotions are not bad. But how do you begin to pay attention to those things? How do you begin to not just suppress them, but to feel them? We talked about that last week. For you to really forgive someone, you have to acknowledge that they hurt you. You have to acknowledge the pain that you've experienced. Someone speaks unkindly to you and it hurts, you don't have to push that aside. You begin to pay attention. And so you evaluate and assess where you are emotionally. You assess your relationships. Are you at peace with people? Romans 12, 18, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Are you doing that? And you evaluate and you assess where you're at in life. Listen to this psalm, Psalm 119, uh, 9 through 16. It says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes. As one rejoices in great riches, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. So the first one we do is we make honest assessments and evaluations of our life. The second thing we do is we begin the habit of meditation. We meditate on God's word. Uh, I'm a professional worrier. I'm pretty good at it. Um, and so uh, if you are a worrier, you can be really good at meditating. Uh, worry is just taking a negative thought and meditating on it, right? And so what we have to begin to do is understand what this is saying is we, we meditate on something good. We meditate on something positive and we, we meditate on God's word. We, we meditate on what God says about us. We, we meditate on what God says uh, about our relationship with him, about how we treat people, how we find healing, right? We, we meditate on those things. And so when you meditate, you begin to listen to God. You begin to memorize, as this says, you, you store it in your heart. You pay attention to God's word and you begin to find healing. This is what I know about a lot of you. Whether it's business or it's leadership or relationships, we're always finding who's the expert in that area. 
Who's the best about talking about money? I'm going to go and I'm going to read that. Who's the best about business? I'm going to go find that book and I'm going to read that. Well, well, this is a good book to begin to pursue and read. The, the instructions in here, the words of Jesus are a good map to begin to follow. Begin to meditate on those things. Spend time daily doing that. And then the third thing is I'm going to encourage you to create a habit of prayer just plugging in and receiving power by communicating with God. This doesn't have to be real formal. This is just you speaking to a God who hears you. Where you can say, God, I need you fill in the blank. God, I'm struggling. God, would you help me to battle the enemy right now? God, would you speak truth to my heart? God, would you help the fear to cease? God, would you help me in my relationship with my roommate, with my spouse, with my kids? We begin to rely on God, and we do that through prayer. Jesus even tells his disciples at one point before he's arrested, watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. Temptations are going to come, I promise. And temptation is not a sin. When you are tempted, it is not a sin. You have not made a mistake simply by being tempted. But it's through prayer that we're able to combat those temptations and not to give in to them. It's the way we remain strong, and it's the way that we understand it's not my own strength, but God's strength that will help bring healing to my life. And so I want to encourage you, maybe prayer is new to you. I want to encourage you, if you want to write this down, uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, this is where Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. If you've been in church for very long, you probably memorized the Lord's Prayer at some point. Uh, Maybe church is new to you. Uh, The disciples actually ask Jesus, how do we pray? And Jesus tells them how they can pray. And so it's in this prayer that we recognize who God is. It's we pray for his kingdom to come, that heaven would come to earth. It's where we pray that God would give us what we need today. It's where we pray for forgiveness and that God would help us to forgive others. And then we pray he would keep us from temptation and the evil one. And so if prayer is difficult for you, just begin. You can search the Lord's Prayer. You can read this scripture again, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Just begin to pray that. Begin to memorize that. I want the best for you. Like I, uh, I, I have the title of pastor I'm, the, I'm your pastor if you see me as your pastor, uh, but, but I also see you as my friend. I see you as someone I care deeply for. I may not even know you very well, but you are created in the image of God. You are deeply loved by him, and my response is to love you and see you as created in that image also. I want you to find healing for your life. I do. You've been hurt tremendously, and you've carried it for way too long. You begin to make some choices and find healing. Those addictions, those habits that you can't break, I wonder how often that's been being done alone. Right, that you've been just on your own strength, been trying to figure out how you can break that thing. You don't have to do it by yourself. Would you commit to some new habits? Would you commit to doing some new things in your life? You just evaluate and assess your heart and your mind. You look at your body and emotions and your relationships. You look at your relationship with God. You begin to meditate on God's word and you pray. Three things that you could do today that you could implement in your life. Greg's going to come up and, and we'll close in this 
song. I want to just give you a few moments um, to just begin to pray. As Greg comes up and plays, just begin to ask God, God, what is it that I need to pay attention to? God, would you show me what I need to pay attention to? Making a little evaluation now even. What are the hurts that you haven't dealt with? What are the hang-ups that you just seem like you can't get rid of? What are the habits that you can't break? Just begin to ask God to show you what those things might be. Father, would you help us to be honest with ourselves today? Would you help us to see that it's not by our own strength that healing will come, um, but it's by your love, by your grace, by your strength, by your power? God, would we hold on to hope today? Would we believe that there is an opportunity to be healed and whole? God, would you help us as we enter some of those phases of being comfortable and leads to confusion and other things, Lord, would you just help us to stop that process? Would you help us to develop some new habits in our lives? Would you help us to evaluate our, our hearts and our minds? Would you help us to meditate on what you say? Would you help us to develop this prayer conversation with you that is ongoing and that we're often communicating? Would you help us to do that? God, I'm longing for stories of healing. I believe it can happen. I pray that strongholds will be broken. I pray for those who have been hurting for so long to begin to work through those things. Lord, would you help that our hurts and our past will no longer continue to punish us in our future, that our lives could look different. God, would you give us the strength to see that happen? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.